CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. It's 5.30 p.m. here at the NASDAQ on a Friday, and that can only mean one thing. It is time for Options Action. Here's what we've got coming up for you tonight. The energy market hitting a giant oil slick this year, but the chart master says a crude comeback could be in the works. He's drilling down on the charts. Plus, cruise stocks hitting some rough waters, but Mike Coe is setting sail on this name ahead of earnings. And if you're a pizza lover too, Tony Zhang is serving up a slice of opportunity. There's one name he is sinking his teeth into. It's time to risk less and make more. Options Action starts right now. All right, welcome. Hi, everybody. Let's get right now to it here on a Friday. Energy, of course, it's been you know lagging the market, lagging the market for what I don't know five years, but crude has actually quietly been trying to creep a little bit higher. In fact. Oil just handed in its best week of the year. Not saying a lot, but it did. And if you're betting that a crude comeback could be in the works, Carter Worth is going to lay out one way to play it. Carter, head over the plasma and break it down for us. Sure, let's take a look. So, you know, bottom fishing is dangerous stuff, as we know, and yet sometimes it's very profitable. Let's uh, zero in on crude and then an ETF that, uh, if and as it works, will be very lucrative. This is the front contract on the NYMEX right now. And... What is fairly clear is that we have come down to this level repeatedly and a little bit of a breach, but we have essentially held. Now, if I were to go to the Christmas crude contract, which is uh, one of the more liquid ones, you have the same circumstance. We've come down and we have held. And that's not random, whether it's algorithms or charts uh, or just at some point an oversold circumstance. And now here, and this is quite remarkable, this is the Christmas crude of 2021. On December 24th, we hit a 48.65 of 2018, and we came down to 48.66, held by one penny. That was a Monday. This was a Monday, and I think you're going to get a nice bounce here. We've already seen a bounce. We've moved as high as uh, a buck or two. And so here is the USO, the ETF you can use. It's the exact same circumstance. And so whether you call it a triple bottom or quadruple bottom, I think we want to zero in on this. And here is uh, the up and close chart. The percentage gains, this bounce, 20%. This bounce, 25%. And this bounce, 25%. Can we get another? Does it have to be 25? It doesn't have to be, but you can make some money if and as it does. It started to base. And then finally, the really short term. What do we know? We've got a slight double bottom. And then we also have a move above the downtrend line that we've been in. Take a look. There's your double bottom. That's very developmental. Worth a shot on the trade. Vehicle USO. USO, yeah, long long term downtrend there. But Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, so one of the things, you know, USO, as Carter was pointing out, that is the ETF that tracks WTI, the West Texas Intermediate. It's the U.S. domestic oil rather than Brent, which is the other principal oil benchmark to take a look at. $50, obviously, a psychological level. What's interesting, of course, is that this is a week that was filled with bad news for oil prices generally. We had a couple of things going on. We had, for example, the first global oil demand decrease in a decade. That was one of the things that was announced. We've obviously got coronavirus fears. And then, of course, a lot of people are just taking a look at whether we're at the end of you know, oil as 
energy. And when you compile all of those things together as a story, it's not surprising that we saw this kind of pressure. But we did also notice at the end of the week that the net shorts on these crude contracts have essentially leveled off. So essentially, you're not seeing a lot of additional selling pressure in here. One of the things that has happened, of course, is we've seen this volatility, as we've seen this decrease, is we also have seen higher options prices. Normally, we use spreads to deal with that. But in this instance, we're dealing with a fairly volatile instrument. USO was over 13 not that long ago, and I'm not really that interested in trying to take advantage of selling options at about 10 cents. So I was looking out to April. You could buy the 11 and a half calls. Those were 30 cents. Now, a 30 cent option contract sounds very cheap, and of course, in absolute terms, it is. Of course, consider this. That's almost 3% of the value of USO as it stands right now. So it's not that cheap. But it is, I think, the best way to try to make a play because it's going to give you a little bit of convexity. You know, the increase in the value of that call option will speed up as it goes through that 11.5 strike price. That will be your opportunity to consider either rolling, rolling up and out, or spreading one of these things. But sometimes high options prices are justified. I think they are here. So I think this trade is pretty speculative in nature, you know, for the reasons that you pointed out with oil. Now, when I look at this chart, the fact that it got back above that 5150 level, I think, is not bearish, but it doesn't really for me, say that this is oil is going much higher. But I think your trade makes a lot of sense. You know, if you do get that 20% bounce in oil, you have a pretty nice trade here. Well, it's a, it's a huge oil. You talk just quickly from fundamentals, you got about 4 million barrels offline. When you talk about coronavirus, Libya, Iran's had issues. Mm-hmm. But capital spending starting to slow down as well. OPEC's talking about making more cuts. There's a huge battle going on in oil right now. Yeah, that's exactly, I think you're exactly right. But the fact is that all of these are knowns, right? So these are all, of, one of the reasons we've seen this big decline in oil prices is because of all of these things that you just cited, combine coronavirus with that. What's it going to take for it actually to get some sort of amounts? We just need a few positive items. We just need to see some, you know, global macroeconomic uptick that's, stimulates demand. We need to see something happen with coronavirus. Those things in conjunction with each other, and you could see a meaningful pop. Or you just get a trade. And sometimes you don't have to have a reason why, and sometimes things get oversold, and that's the bet here, at least from this seat. Yeah, there's a new school of thought out there that, you know, we don't know how many off barrels are offline in China. A million, maybe three to four million in demand. They're the second biggest import in the world. There's some stories out there that they're buying a lot of oil now because it's super cheap. Because all these ships are at sea, and they need a buyer. And so they're saying, okay, we'll buy that oil, maybe 20 bucks a barrel, but we'll buy it. And they're, they're sort of collecting. And that's what you want. You want the excess barrels pulled offline. And actually, that's exactly right. The price is going to be driven at the margins. But it is an important thing when you're dealing with commodities and commodities like oil. There is only a limited amount of storage. So one of the things that can pressure something like the WTI contracts, how much storage is there in Cushing, you know, th- those are those pinch points, how many of the tankers are actually full and floating around and being acquired by the Chinese, but you can't fill that tanker more than once. So, you know, there, we have both of those things at play, and I think that's why you only want to use options, really, if you're going to try to speculate here on a bullish market. Okay, and that's a way to do it, certainly through the options market, and not super expensive either. All right, let's shift gears from energy to earnings. So we've got another busy <laughs> earnings season. just never ends, does it? Next week, you got Walmart. Avis, Dropbox, and John Deere all reporting their numbers. But here on Options Action, it's Friday. We're kind of hungry. We're craving some pizza. Domino's Pizza reporting on Thursday. The stock up 6% this week alone. And if you think future gains are not just a pie in the sky, don't worry. Tony's got a way for you to get a slice of the action. Take it away. The Domino's Options trade, Tony. 
Let's take a look at pizza here. So I really like this particular chart, this chart setup, because this stock had a pretty strong Q4 performance rallying from 220 all the way up to 300 at the end of last year and spent the last couple of months consolidating, which is healthy after such a long rally. And just earlier this week, it broke out above the 20-day moving average, which is, for me, a signal that this bullish uh, upturn is about to continue. So when we look at earnings, if we look at analyst revisions over the last few weeks, they've been very strong. And this points to me that we're going to get a fairly sizable beat. And looking at options right now, they're implying about a 6.2% move going into earnings, which is a little less than the average that we've seen over the last four quarters of about 6.8%. So this stock moves on earnings. So normally going into earnings, options are quite expensive. But looking at, out to March, they're actually quite reasonable. So I'm actually using a really simple trade structure here. I'm going out to March and I'm buying the 290 call options for about $10.50. This, this has a break even of just above 300. And this is just a really clean, nice way to get gain upside exposure going into earnings. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, you, actually, I've noticed Tony in uh, a couple of his trades, he's buying at the money or sometimes slightly in the money options. You know, you say $10.50. Bear in mind that based on the closing price, those were about a buck and a half in the money. So the extrinsic premium that you're spending is really about eight and a half bucks. Consider how much it has to move between now and March expiration for this to be profitable. You know, that kind of an upside move, eight and a half dollars on a nearly $300 stock actually isn't that big. And the average move magnitude uh, over a couple period of time is considerably larger. So even if you were just speculating, it actually is a fairly priced way to do this. You know, I would say Domino's just as a company, I mean, this is obviously one of the oldest, you know, fast food companies that we've known for a long time, but they have seen very good, consistent, considerable revenue growth over time, good EPS growth over time. When you have a growing company, 26 times earnings, that's not that unreasonable. It's also the number one performing restaurant, Hard Stop. It is blown away on a long-term basis, McDonald's, Starbucks. And the opportunity, and Tony's talking about it, is the chart. It's not just a six-month chart. This stock has made no progress in two years. So you might have a long-term chart here, but the 300 level has been in effect for two years. Stock market's up and up and up over two years, unchanged. That's what tension is. Breakouts come from fallow periods where you keep improving, and then at some point an earnings comes along and you break out. Fantastic setup, much higher. That's so, so on your strategy, sort of Mike saying you kind of like these sort of or close to or in the money. Right. Why is that part of your strategy when it comes to options? Because going into earnings, you want to the value. The call options are really expensive. So one of the ways to reduce that uh, the cost of that call option is by reduces slightly the upside a little. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, you're going to reduce some of that. No, it actually increases your upside. How? Why? If you're taking less of a money risk, how does it give you more on the upside? Because in the money options actually have a higher delta. So I'm I'm actually getting more return for my money than if I bought an out-of-the-money option. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's interesting because we were talking about the USO. Those are out-of-the-money calls. What those offer is convexity. You spend a little bit, and you get gearing if you get a sharp move. With these types of trades that Tony is talking about, you have more direct exposure to the equity. You can think about it this way. If you bought really deep in the money calls, they're going to behave just like the stock will, right? So the lower the strike of the call you buy, the more like the stock is going to behave. The more out of the money the option that you buy, the more convex your payoff will be. It's going to be lower probability of profit, but maybe a higher rate of return if it is profitable. So those are the kinds of balances and trade-offs that you try to make. Yeah, good stuff there. Learning every night. Appreciate it. All right, well, for everything options action, maybe I should check it out. Optionsaction.cnbc.com is the place to go. And, of course, we have a newsletter. Sign up as well. Meantime, here's what's coming up next for the program. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Cruise stocks getting rocked. But our Mike Co. is betting on smooth sailing for one name in the space when it reports earnings next week. We'll tell you how to play it. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. All right, welcome back to Options Action. You know that travel stocks as a group have really been hit hard this year, in part by the coronavirus outbreak. But none of the names of the group has dropped quite like the cruise ships. The three biggest names in the industry, Royal Caribbean, Carnival, Norwegian, all down double digits to start the year. But Mike thinks the stormy seas could turn into smooth sailing for at least one of these names. He's over at the Plasma with his call to action. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's going to be smooth sailing, but actually when we use options, we actually have the opportunity to try to bet on a bounce back for one of these things uh, without necessarily taking the risk that is going to be uh, continuing what we've been seeing. Now, one of the reasons that amongst the travel stocks, Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, all these names have been so hard hit, they seem to be the poster child of it. What we see are these ships sitting out there with a bunch of passengers stranded, and it looks pretty grim. We've got Norwegian reporting next week. The stock is down close to 12% since its December highs, essentially when the coronavirus outbreak was first announced. But I think I want to point out the stock is trading at less than 10 times earnings. And these things, as grim as they appear, don't last forever. Implied volatility, the price of options, unsurprisingly, has been spiking. We have earnings. That's one reason. And we have the coronavirus. That's certainly another. And as I was indicating, you know, the outlook is uncertain. But there is the possibility that we could start to see some favorable news or we could also get some positive news out of earnings or investors could actually look ahead and say, whatever the outcome is, it will actually come to an end eventually and you're going to look ahead. So all I was doing was just looking out to March, the 55, 57 and a half, two and a half dollar call spread. You could spend just 65 cents to buy that. You'll notice this doesn't go quite as far out in time as I normally might look to do it. And you'll also notice that with the stock trading, it was well below 55, actually. It was closer to about 52 and a half or so when I was looking at this earlier today. So this is still a little bit out of the money. But again, what I'm looking for here is a way to lay off some of the high price of options. That's why I'm using a call spread. And I'm trying to get a little bit of that convexity we talked about. So spending 65 cents for a $2.5 call spread gives me some potential upside. Also, it helps me limit the amount of risk that I'm taking relative to the stock price. And if you take a look at a chart of the stock, you're going to see what kind of an opportunity you actually have. This is what we're talking about. You can see that basically since the news has come out, this is that 12-plus percent decline that we've seen right down here. And actually, we can see that it did end up right at 52.5. This is essentially what we're looking for. If any of the news that we've been seeing lately reverses or people can look past it, at the very least, you might expect it to recover back to these levels. And even at those levels, I would point out, which is still well below the average analyst price target, that stock is still going to be quite cheap. It's going to be trading about 11 times earnings up there. Okay, Mike, why don't you come back on over, over here. Uh, Tony, what do you think of this trade? So I think Mike's absolutely right. I think this stock is quite oversold on 
on these fears about the coronavirus. If you look at revenue growth, it's a pretty strong stock. I think I think what this is just simply overdone. I like Mike's trade here because I was actually looking at a cover call in this particular name. If you own this stock, I was going to suggest that you sell a March 57 and a half call, which is the call that Mike has chosen to sell here. But he's just instead of being long the stock, he's long the $55 call. I think you could choose either the 55 or even the 52 and a half. That would be my preference on the long call. But either way, you play a nice bounce on, on Norwegian cruise lines. So what's interesting, of course, is they're identical, right? Carnival, RCL, and L. It's the exact same patterns. They've all sold off the and identical to crew. It's all the same story. What the, the disconnect is that the hotels have gone back up, right? And that's interesting. Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott. And so if this is a catch-up trade, and I think the hotels are spending it, Expedia had big numbers out today. Uh, I think that's the kind of setup you want for a bounce. But just to question you, how did you pick or why this one versus Carnival or... Uh, well, actually, it's because we have a catalyst. This name's going to be reporting next week. And normally, you know, when you have earnings, management is expected to sit there and try to explain the results that they're going to be reporting. I think we can pretty much safely bet that that's not what the conversation's going to be about. The conversation right now in the cruise lines, in the hotels, in the travel space in general is coronavirus. What's going on? How's that going to impact us going forward? And, of course, my expectation is that management is going to say we can look past all of that and, but will, you know, will, will consumers, right. I think to your point about hotels starting to recover, you, you wonder, Mike, will consumers sort of be semi-permanently turned off of cruises generally even when this... Because you know, there's all these stories of people stuck on these sure, boats. But, that, yeah. but, but this is kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting because cruises always seem to get these periodic black eyes. You know, you have these situations where, you know, there's some sort of gastrointestinal virus that gets passed around and everyone thinks, well, why do they want to get on a cruise instead of, you know, go to Disney World? The fact is they get past it. You know, they find ways to deal with it, and we move on. And they're very, very profitable businesses. That's the, that's the key to this thing. Do these things make money? They do. They make a lot of it, and they're one of the cheapest ways to make a play right now. We could do a fast money options action cruise, like a five-day. You know those things where people come and meet Mike Coe, Tony Zhang in the do piano Do we have lounge. to wear our masks, or we just... Royal Caribbean on line one for Carter Worth. I'm talking about down the road, or down the sea. Thank you very much. I'll do it. All right, still ahead. We are taking your tweets. Send us your burning options questions at Options Actions on Twitter. You might get your answer on the air. Who knows? But first, shares of Pepsi falling flat on the back of its earnings. We'll tell you by one of our traders, though, still betting that Pepsi will make you money. We're live at the NASDAQ. We're back right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to Options Action. Time now to check in on a couple of our open trades. You remember last week, Mike and Carter said that Pepsi could be in for a post earnings pop. Here's a 40-year chart going back to 1980, literally the exact same performance. But now, here is the year-to-date chart. Just for whatever reason, um, Coke uh, is ahead, Pepsi is lagging. The thinking is, is that we're going to move towards the top of the channel, move towards the top, move towards the top, and that we have upside. Coke popped on its earnings, and I'm thinking that Pepsi will do the same. I was looking at the April 145 calls, which are very slightly in the money. Those are $3.75. All right, well, Pepsi is up a little less than 1% since that trade, so not much of a move, but 
Just about two months ago before expiration. Mike, how are you managing this trade? Hanging on? Yeah, I think we stay with this. I mean, first of all, the stock's moving in our chosen direction. Secondly, you know, you pointed out it's up only 1%. This is Pepsi. You know, these names, you know, J&J, Pepsi, Walmart, these are the types of stocks that tend to move more slowly than the market does. They don't have a tremendous amount of beta. Things are looking in the correct direction. There's not a lot of decay in these options. I think this is a trade we stay with. Carter? For sure. I mean, it's it's dull. I mean, you're not going to get a breakout that you'll get out of a biotech or thing, but sometimes dull is good. Close an all-time high today. What's not to like? Stay long, be long. All right. Also last week, XP Investments Managing Director Bonneman Eisen said that Lyft could follow Uber higher on its earnings report. On the back of uh, Uber earnings, it definitely seems like the bulls have come out and come out to play in a major way. If you look at... Um, Option volume calls versus puts. The last week it's been about two to one. This today, post Uber earnings, three to one. So we're expecting uh, you know a move to the upside in real volume here. Specifically, what I like doing is a trade, which is out to February, buying the 50-55 call spread. That'll cost you about uh, about a dollar sixty. Now, Lyft did beat Street's estimates, but the stock down about 9% since that trade after the company forecasted slower growth this year. Now, Bonwin was not available to join us on set tonight, but he did send us a postcard with a helpful explanation of what to do when a trade goes belly up. He writes, quote, I'm in a Lyft on my way to the airport. On Monday, I suggested you close out half your position at $2.60 after the pre-earnings rally since then. Stock's been punished at these levels. I would keep the other half the position for a short-term bounce. Mike, what do you make of that? Is that good advice or give up? Well, the good advice was what he gave pre-earnings, which is because he got that stock move, he should have taken some of those profits. I will say that the price action for the stock since they have announced earnings is miserable. It's been down from the left to the right each day since then. And it's interesting because they focus on the same things that Uber does, which was supposedly why that stock did so well. The stock looks pretty broken to me, and those strikes are pretty far out of the money. Okay. Yeah, yeah the price, the price action of this is, doesn't look pretty, doesn't look strong enough for me. Okay. There you go. Bottom if you're out there, call in next time. All right. Up next, the final call. Kick off the final call, Carter. Oil long. USO is your vehicle. All right, Tony. I'm long pizza using Domino's Pizza. March calls. All right, and Mike. Norwegian. Sticking with it. Yep. The cruises. Mike Coe making friends of the cruise industry. Thank you, guys. Taking it easy on me. That does it for Options Action. We'll see you next week. Mad Money with Jim starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.